Hotspurs, the greatest team of the year. Hello, hello. Welcome back. My name is Noah El Nagdi. I'm here with my co-host Oday Eliamani. How you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing fine, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Welcome back after this small hiatus. Uh, we definitely got to apologize to the listeners. We've been away for a few games. Oh, yeah. Um, but that is all for good reasoning uh, because for both of us, life has just gotten more busy now that the world is opening up again a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So our schedules have been pretty crazy. And then the fact that we're on different coasts makes it a little bit difficult to record sometimes, but I'm excited to be back. And uh, thankfully it's after a win. Yeah. Um, those losses definitely didn't encourage us to record, but it was really, <laughs> it was really our busy schedule that kept us away. Um. So yeah, so for this, we have three matches to review, but what we're going to do is kind of just look at them as a whole, look at the last three matches, talk about cert certain things, and just kind of where Spurs are at, and uh, you know, just a few questions that came up during these matches. Obviously, two of them were not the way we wanted to see them. You know, the furthest back, we lost 1-0 to Brighton. Uh, that's probably the worst one, in my opinion. Um, and then we had the one nil to Chelsea at home. And then thankfully we had the two nil over West Brom, um, out of those three matches, O'Day, which one, uh, obviously one didn't hurt out of those other two, which one hurt the most one nil to Brighton or one nil to Chelsea? Well, I'd say the one nil to Chelsea only because, yeah, you know, the boys promised <laughs> us a response uh and they did not give us a response yeah yeah nothing at all um so yeah we'll get into all of these games but uh before we start you know harry kane got injured in in the liverpool match so he was out um until this most recent match and so because of that we got to see different people starting to get on the field at least starting to get starts um you know we had vinicius Got to get in, get in and get a start against Chelsea. And then we had Gareth Bale getting a start against Brighton. Um, and we got to see a lot of different formations as well. Uh, kind of like crazy back lines, Sissoko on the right. Um, do you think any of those other formations, you know, did you see anything you liked from them? Because um, really it wasn't like every, all three games we had a different formation, different lineup going. Um, did you see anything out of any of them that you were like, that worked or that didn't work? <laughs> um, I, didn't, I didn't like either formations we played with uh, against Chelsea or Brighton. Mm -hmm. um, I really, really disliked the one we used against Brighton. You know, Ben mm -hmm. Davis and Joe Rodon on the left. Yep. And then, you know, Sissoko, <laughs> I like to see him on the right. He, he, mm -hmm. he does fill in pretty well for right back sometimes when we need him to, but yeah, Davinson Sanchez behind Sissoko, it also did not make any sense. And the Bergvine yeah. Hungman son just kept, uh, you know, getting ahead of each other up top. Yes. And like, there yep. was just no communication at all. It was like, it's like these guys, j like, literally just played together for the first time. Like, That's exactly no right. That is exactly what it looks like to me is very individualized effort and no real connection or team flow. And that's why a team like Brighton, who might be lower down the table or whatever you think of them, 
you could see a concept between all of their players and their coach of what's going on. Now, again, obviously, Harry Kane's out. We have other players out. We have to do things a little bit differently. Um, and some players are new to the team. But, uh, yeah, it definitely seemed everyone was on their own page, um, especially against Brighton. And there was just something we've talked about before and we'll probably mention a few times in this show is that there was just no middle, especially in that game. You know, there was like five in the back. And every time anyone from, you know, from our side touched the ball, it was like Sissoko was getting a lot of the ball and Dumbelli was getting a little bit. He was the only one really pressing forward. But even when Sonny would get it, it would have to go all the way back to Alduero, all the way back, you know, to Rodon and, and really just start. It didn't matter where the ball was. We had to like slow the whole play down because uh, it seemed like no one had ideas. I think Glenn Hoddle was the commentator when I was listening to it. And uh, he was just saying like, where is the middle? And it's funny coming from him, you know, as one of the best, one of our best center midfielders, but yeah, I mean, there was absolutely no one in the middle. We we've talked about this before. Um, what are your thoughts about that midfield? I mean, it, it was nowhere to be found in that game and then, kind of more lacking, not more, but just as much in Chelsea. Um, what are your thoughts about our midfield? Because I got a few questions to ask about that, about them. Well, I mean, our midfield really, I mean, they always have like this amount of pressure on them that the rest <clears throat> of them doesn't uh, mm-hmm. really get to have on their shoulders. And with Harry Kane being out both games, uh, except for, you know, the recent one against West Brom, the last two before that where he was out, the pressure mounted even more. And so, the, I mean, they were just – it was very messy, you know. They had yeah. to come back and defend. They were basically like the extension of the defense, you know. That's and, exactly right. Well said. Yeah, I, I do see that. I mean, unlike – I mean, unlike the West Brom game, you know, that formation, I really like this formation. Yeah. Um, it's, it's exactly the formation that I would use, um, like – and a FIFA match. <laughs> you know? and, I mean, Mar- Mourinho is, is like one of the winning formations that Mourinho used. He utilized back in the Real Madrid days, you know, and uh, it was pretty successful. And I liked it a lot. You know, Lamella, a left footed player right behind the striker supplying and pretty quick wingers, Lucas and Son. And then the midfield stacked already, you know, in Dumbley and Hoibia. That's that's a winning formation, you know, and we did pretty well with the missing uh, players, unfortunately, you know, I wish Regulon was there, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, he seems to be one of the main missing ones out of that formation, but yeah. So I, I, I do have more questions about that midfield and that West Brom lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, you already, you know, mentioned their names a little bit, but what were you, what was your thoughts about, you know, Eric Lamella and Lucas getting the start in that match? Um, what they brought and kind of, because they were coming off the bench in the other two matches and even though it didn't result in a win, I did think that it always resulted in a change. Even though Lamella gets a bad rap sometimes, and so does Lucas about maybe just like running with no end result. But, um, you know, even in those losses, I saw a difference when they came on. What is your thoughts about, you know, them getting the start and us getting the win with West Brom and just that lineup of having those two guys in there? Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure Mourinho loved the fact that when he did put Lamella and Lucas on the last two games, yeah. um, they they like they gave this energy to the team, and these they're communicating apparently. Like these are some reports that they're communicating 
they're talking about the game, like what, how are the how they were going to influence the game before they came on. And this is early on. And so I'm pretty sure Mourinho picked up on that. And, you know, we've been talking about this before. We wanted that Argentinian-Brazilian uh, connection, you know, yes. that flair, that South American flair. And yep. we saw a bunch of that. And uh, these players are players we should be disappointed of all the time. You know, we, we really do rag on Lamella a lot. I mean, <laughs> I love Lamella. I'm talking about Tottenham fans in general. Yes. But every time Tottenham fans shit on Lamella, Lamella tells them to suck it. <laughs> a few games later, with a masterclass. Exactly right. And Lucas, you know, he's proving everyone wrong. You know, people want Lucas to go because he's getting old, but Lucas is still a pretty valuable player. Uh, yeah, I, I certainly agree. I think Lucas could be um, really a great player for us and just a great player in general. I think Lamella has always had the quality, never had the time or room, like, on the field to cement it. And we always give him that pass because there is a lot of times when – Lamella finally gets a start or two and he starts to just like, you know, disappear. Um, so we understand that Lamella has that possibility, but uh, yeah, I mean, them bringing the flair and the passion, the aggression um, in, in both of the losing matches, it was apparent when they came on um, and looking at the Chelsea match, another name that we, I want to talk about um, and just get your full opinion um, after this question is Carlos Vinicius. And so at the end of the match, like in the second half, we had uh, Vinny, Lamella, and Lucas all on. And that was something I was really excited to see. Um, and I think we'll talk more about the Chelsea match and, you know, Vinny and how he did. Um, but I think when they were on, it, you know, they didn't get too much connection, but there was a lot of firepower on the field. And you started seeing the ball getting into the box and getting into dangerous positions a lot more. And, uh, it's exciting to see it didn't result in a win. It didn't result in any goals. Um, but hopefully it's a, it's a trend that's going upward. <laughs> hopefully. I mean, since, you know, Harry Kane was out, we needed to try something new. And Vinny was there. Obviously, that's the reason why we picked him up is in case Harry Kane got injured. But, you know, obviously you watched the match. We didn't really do that great. I mean, unfortunately... Mm -hmm. We couldn't even get the ball to Vinny. And the one time he got yeah. the ball, he didn't really make the right decision. And yeah, I mean that that's gonna happen. You know, you give him one Perfect. chance. I mean, he didn't take advantage of it, and all of a sudden he's he's the bad guy, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think if he was supplied the ball more than he was that game, we would have probably went up a few goals because this man's really clinical, you know. Yeah, he's he's a sharp shooter, he knows where to put the ball. If he has the ball in the 18. He's going to put it on frame. And mm -hmm. it's really up to the keeper at that point to, to, to save it. And if he doesn't save it, that's a goal for us. And we have to really utilize that. And I, th I think I think before we start using Dane Scarlett up top with Harry Kane, we might as well fill that, that position up with Vinny, you know, get this connection going. Youngman's son's connection with Harry Kane is already inevitable. It's something that's going to happen game yeah. in, game out. And so might as well create another winning connection you know maybe push Vinicius to right winger uh high right winger you know just like they used to put Samuel Ito for Inter Milan when Mourinho coached yeah. there you know yep. there's there's different formations you could do if you want to utilize all your sharp shooters and really get the best out of your team yeah um yeah and let's focus in on him a little bit more um in that Chelsea match like what was what was your thoughts on his performance I thought he played I mean he didn't get the ball much but I thought he actually did play well and I think um, just as you're saying, you know, like he got maybe one chance. He got the one header that went wide. I think he had like maybe one other shot. 
Um, but I thought, you know, uh, he was actually, I mean, he was doing what we wanted to see. Uh, he was getting the ball to his chest. He was getting the ball to his head. And like when it came up there, he was able to get in front of the defender, get the ball down, get it to Indombele, you know, things like this that uh, we really haven't had like a, a big number nine to do. Um, we like kind of put Harry Kane in that position and he does it very well. Um, but someone who's just focused on that. Um, and yeah, I think, I think once the ball hits the back of the net, I think you're very right. You'll, we'll see his like clinicalness come out hopefully obviously um but he does seem to be like like the ball drops to his foot he's gonna shoot very much like Jermaine Defoe um but I think he just needs to hit the back of the net once or twice even in maybe not just Europa League but like something else um and just find the the back of the net at the speed of the Premier League because the, the goal doesn't move but everything else moves and changes and the Premier League's a little bit faster um and we can tell that unlike some of our maybe like winger players who take an extra touch to do like this, he doesn't, his first touch and his last touch is, is trying to shoot, you know? And the only time he takes extra touches is to open himself up to shoot, you know? So again, very much like a Jermaine Defoe. And I think once uh, he starts getting the, like hopefully getting more, more game time and getting some goals, I think we could see a lot from him. Uh, That was my whole rant on him. Uh, what what was what were your thoughts about his uh, performance against Chelsea? Well, like you said, he didn't really get the ball as much as we would have loved to see him get the ball. But whenever he got the ball, he did what he could with it. And you know, like we said, he's very clinical. His soccer IQ is pretty fucking high. Mm-hmm. And um, this is this is one player I really think. I mean, mark my words, this guy, no matter where he ends up, if he ends up playing for us. He ends up leaving because we, you know, Harry Kane is just too good for Carlos to get any time yeah. down the line. Carlos Vinicius, and I'm saying this now, I'm calling it. Carlos Vinicius is going to be one of the best strikers in the world consistently for years, mm-hmm. wherever he ends up being down the line. And so I really want that to be him playing for us. This guy's like really, really nasty, man. Mm-hmm. Like he, so he, he has everything. In your future prediction of him, uh, who do you see, like, at like a current striker, who do you see him like? Do you see him like a Harry Kane? Do you see him like an Mbappe? Like, what what kind of – you're saying he's going to be so good. Like, who are you kind of – seeing what he does, what do you see in him, um, and who do you kind of compare that to? I see him like – you know how Erling Haaland is a giant mm-hmm. right now? Yeah. Carlos Vinicius is the sleeping giant. Nice. He's the Brazilian Holland who's just down. waiting to blow up, bro. I'm telling you, this guy, he has it. He's he has athleticism. He's Brazilian. He has that flair. He he has that hunger. He has the love for football. It's a part of it's a religion to them. Mm-hmm. And there's so much potential with him. And I really, really do think that it's not a bust, man. This guy really, yeah. really is about to be one of the best. And we need to hold on to him and incorporate him into our glory. And so what are your thoughts about uh, like him getting time and us um, either allowing or kind of like building up what, what will be Dane Scarlett? What are, what are your thoughts on that, that battle of who will play? Well, I mean, let's, let's look at Carlos Vinicius. All right. This guy is 25 years old. Mm-hmm. He still has time. And if he's about to hit his prime soon, then that means win for 
a bunch of years of Vinny Gold, you know? I can't wait to see that. And so uh, Scarlett still has a bunch of years ahead of him, too. So he's yeah. 16 years old. And yeah. we can still incor- we can incorporate them into so many different squads together down the line since mm-hmm. we're going to be competing in all these different tournaments. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to be firing on all fronts if we want to be an elite club. And mm-hmm. if we're playing in two cup uh, tournaments, uh, a European tournament, and the league, we want to be firing really hard. We want to be pushing yeah. and striving for the best. And so we can incorporate all these players with all their strengths into different squads at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's beautiful seeing, uh, number one, young players coming up, uh, mm-hmm. some of our own. And then just, you know, having a larger squad and being able to have people on the bench that, I mean, this is one thing I want to ask you, but you know, you feel comfortable seeing the names, you feel excited, like, okay, we actually have threats on the bench. But, you know, recently, you look at these three games, the two first games where two matches where we had kind of different players in and out in different positions, it didn't work. Now, obviously, things have to grow and get better. Um, but then the last game, which was kind of like an older Tottenham team, like almost all of them are somewhat veterans of Tottenham, except for like Hoybier is like the newest player. Uh, all of them had been there a year. It's got Harry Kane. What are your thoughts about actually being able to get the best out of a large team? Or is it going to be these players like Vinicius or even, you know, Gareth Bale who don't get, you know, more than 15 minutes every now and then? Um, what are your thoughts on like as as Spurs, how could we go from just like, all right, we have a great base to like, yes, we are competing and winning and we can move things in and out because – I'll tell you, when, when I saw the the Brighton lineup and then also the Chelsea lineup, I was excited, you know, to see these new players in these new positions. Um, but it didn't seem to work. So what are your thoughts on, like, how do we get to the level of, you know, we can have, uh, I don't know, a large squad that's, again, firing on all cylinders, you know, winning or, you know, going to the tops of leagues and stuff like that? Well, the longer I'm a Spurs fan, <laughs> the more I understand that it takes time to build something and mm-hmm. you can see at different projects. Um, you, you look into France, you look at PSG, you mm-hmm. look into the past a few years, you see Man City and us, our club. I mean, we have gems on the field. I've, I've yeah. been looking at these different lineups. I mean, even though some of them look horrible, the lineup <laughs> himself, um, the players, I mean, you think about it, like mm-hmm. Vinny hitting his prime, Bergvine hitting his prime, and Dumbele hitting his prime. Yeah. Youngman Sung in his prime. Yeah. Hoiber in his second season with Tottenham in yeah. the Premier League, being yeah. one of the best, the if best, not the yeah. best center defensive midfielder yeah. in the world. Yeah. yeah. And then you look at these new co- incoming players if we make the correct signings in the summer. Yeah. And you could have a totally different squad but you can still incorporate a few players from the past uh like Sissoko maybe next year you know Aurier Alderweireld Hugo Lloris hopefully if he's still here I mean there's still so much this squad could give and I really think I mean people know like uh, sorry (laughs) Jose Marino in his second second full season at most clubs it's like that's where he won the Champions League and for Porto, you know? Okay. Um, yeah, exactly. And he, he always does good his second season. 
yeah. I don't want to look towards the second season because we're not done with this yet. But what For I'm sure. saying is we have these gems and uh, there things are falling in place. And if they continue to fall in place, then it's just inevitable. It was conceivable. And now it's becoming more and more inevitable. We just need to make the right moves and hopefully everything connects and next season we're like really firing on all cylinders. But we're still firing on many cylinders at the moment. And uh, you said it, Carlos Benitez, will he get more time? How will he adapt? How will, how will he get playing time? Well, he's been getting playing time in Europa League. He's yeah. come on almost every game in Europa League. It's not started. Played, good. played mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. And he scored. He's been scoring. He has like three or four goals if – if I'm, uh, and if I'm he has at least one, I don't, I don't know how many, but yeah, I, I, he scored, he scored a few, yeah, not just in the cup. And I mean, he started almost every game in the cup so far, correct? Um, so okay, we're talking about this big, you know, wonderful, beautiful Tottenham project mm-hmm. that I definitely agree with you. I mean, like, true gems on the field that are new to our team somewhat and new to the Premier League, some of them. And they're, you know, they're, you know, polishing their edges a little bit. And I agree, like, I mean, you look at, I mean, we look at the team now, it's kind of like a carryover of the Poch team. It's kind of a carryover of like the team that should have won the title um, and went to the Champions League final, you know. But there's like other players that have now came to us that, including Bergwijn, we'll talk about him in a sec, but... um you know, Bergwijn, Ndombele, Hoybier, who, I mean, they're not, per, they're, the gems are not perfectly fit into the, the the gemstone, like, holder, the, you know, just yet. And we're fine-tuning it. We're, we're cutting a few things off and, and, like, letting some things, you know, get better. And very soon is, I, I agree, like, it's, it's this, this project does look like it's, you know, it's going to be prosperous, as you're saying, inevitable. But one thing I want to ask on that is, uh, and I don't like saying inevitable. That sounds obviously like way too boastful. You can't ever say things like that with Tottenham. Um, but my question for you is, uh, do you think with these last, th- you know, in the last span of the last four games, three losses in a row, do you think as the internet wants to go crazy with that Jose will be the man to complete this project with these gemstones do you think like jose in or out we're gonna ask a few in and outs real fast and i want your opinion um i think most of them are pretty stupid but what are, what are your thoughts on jose at the moment and should he stay should he go um i mean no he should definitely stay i mean the thing is we're a lot of the fans are jumping the gun too yeah. quick i mean let's let's do this little experiment right let's yeah. do this real experiment you and me um jose out okay who are we hiring? Hmm. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hmm. <laughs> 15 years later, you know, like you're yeah, not, exactly. who are you going to hire? Like uh, what we're going to get uh, Neville, Phil Neville or someone like, you know, we, there's no one available. <laughs> yeah. Even like Chelsea signing Thomas Tuchel is like not that great of a signing in my opinion. I wouldn't want him over Jose, even though his Chelsea team just beat Jose's Tottenham. I mean, like, and we'll talk about the Chelsea game, you know, more specifically here. But, uh, I mean, neither team played good that day. I mean, it was one of the most boring games ever, and it was only won by a fucking horrible mistake. Not mistake, just lapse of brain from the refrigerator. 
Um, someone left the fridge door open. Um, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, as we're saying, we're going back to Jose in and out. Uh, he hasn't looked good in those span of three games, but yeah, I agree. Jose in, that's just even a stupid question to ask. <laughs> right. I mean, and uh, look at, look at Thomas Tuchel, right? Look at his track record before, before PSG, where was he? Borussia Dortmund. So he's had these really well set up squads before he's arrived mm-hmm. twice in a row. And it's, and it, it wasn't good enough for him to stay. You know what I mean? And now he's at Chelsea and we know what happens to managers at Chelsea. <laughs> They're not winning three champions leagues a season. You know what I mean? Like that's what, that's what they aspire for the yeah. impossible, yeah. you know? And Coaches can't follow through, and like, who are we gonna get if Jose's out? Yeah, Lampard. Like, yeah, people need to think. You need to think yeah. if there if there are better options, then someone would say yes. But yeah. if Mourinho wasn't our coach, and we had a coach, and we wanted to sack our coach, Mourinho's the guy we would pick up right now. And so we already yeah, have right. him. We already have this project going, and he hasn't gone crazy like he did a, a few other clubs. He I coached. agree. <laughs> I fully agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously he's no fan of the journalism, but neither are we. So, um, <laughs> but yes. All right. So I'm going to go with a few more in and out, especially like kind of as we're coming closer to the end of the season, not that close, but you know, we're getting down the line and we have a, before we get into it. Yes. I just want to go back to one thing. Go for it. Uh, Carlos Vinicius has appeared five times in Europa league this season for us. And he scored three goals. There we go. Internet. I love it. But that's, I mean, that's yes. great. That's he's what I'm over. saying. So, like, he's being adapted to a squad. Yeah. And we still have a, a long way to go in the Europa League, and he could still be so essential to that. Hell yes. Hell, he's staying, bro. Remember what we said? Delhi and Gareth Bale are still here for yeah. now. Yeah. And so they can still be essential yes. in these different tournaments. We don't want Harry Kane to be burnt out at the end of the season. We want yeah, Harry, we Kane, Harry to be Kane in the Premier League, you know, firing on all yeah. cylinders with Youngman's yeah. son and Stevie Bergman, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you just got to one of my next ones. Number one, I do think and hope that Delhi, you know, comes back and I think he will do great. But uh in and out, we have a lot of loan players that might be, you know, who knows if we want to sign them. So my main one right now is uh Gareth Bale. What do you think at the end of the season? Is he worth keeping? Is he signed worth signing and stuff like that? Um based, based on what we're seeing, obviously no, but yeah. um <clears throat> The thing is and, and what are your thoughts on do you think he would want to stay? Do I think he would want to stay? Yeah, of course I think he'd want to stay. He's making enough money to be able to stay and not have to go to China, you know, like yeah. and he wouldn't have to go to Madrid and he could just play golf all the time too and still ball out. But the thing is, you know, it's he played in Spain for years. I saw this argument on Instagram on one of the Tottenham accounts. I saw him they saw he's played in Spain, right, for years. So he adapted to a, a different league. Now he's adapting to the Premier League again. You know, it's an older Gareth Bill. It's yeah. a much more injury-prone Gareth Bill. He's 31 years old now. He's not the 20-year-old 20, 20 kid he used to be. Running speed, down the yeah. Side. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, so players like Tati, they were not uh, running down the flanks when he, when he got to 34. This man yep. was yep. just stationary, <laughs> sharp sharpshooter, yeah. Italian maestro. You know what I mean? And that's what Gareth Bale could be for us. Uh, but the thing is, uh, you do they want to bank on it? Do they want to put money on it? Would I put money on it? No, because I just I, I don't know. I think 
there's so many other players who might blow up before we get to see the best of Gareth Bale for Tottenham. Mm-hmm. But where would he go? You know what I mean? Like, where yeah. would he go other than us? Like, it just makes sense that he'd stay, but he has to do good the rest of the season and really be essential in one of the tournaments for us to re-sign him because he's too expensive at this point. Do you think that he would be comfortable with staying even at, like, the rate of game time that he's getting right now? I know some of it is due to injury. Like, he has been in and out due to injury. But, right. um, yeah, do you think that he would be – comfortable with I mean he's on the bench for a lot of these games which means he's technically available but he either doesn't come on or you know comes on for a little bit um he'd somehow have to be guaranteed like starts every every FA Cup game or something like I don't know because no it's pretty hard to keep someone like Gareth Bale on the bench that long I mean he did it in Madrid because he was making like six hundred thousand dollars every every week so it didn't matter you know (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So again, we're just gonna uh, focus on Gareth Bale for a second. So he did get the start against Brighton. Um, I said at the beginning of the show that I think the Brighton match was our worst match, um, worse than and like hurt more than the Chelsea one, just because of how we played and how horrible it was. But uh, Gareth Bale got the start, played most of the game. Um, what What were your thoughts on his performance? I mean. I wouldn't say super solid, but I'd, I'd also say that it's it's starting to look more like he's starting to find his footing, I but guess. it's just taking longer than usual. And I just, it, you know, I remember seeing this funny meme when we picked Bale up again, and it was like uh, Tottenham sold all these, I don't know, bought all these players to replace Gareth Bale when he left. And yeah. now they're, bought, they're bringing back Gareth Bale to replace the guy they bought to replace Gareth Bale. You know, because Lamelo is always getting injured, oh, and yeah. now Bale's over here. Now he's always getting injured, oh, and so gosh. if he stays fit, he could still be very important to us. Yeah. I think, yeah, I really do think that. Yeah, I think uh, during that Brighton game, I mean, we were talking about it how the midfield was just like non-existent. It was mm-hmm. really horrible to watch. The five defenders, no Aurier, all that. It was just it was a horrible lineup. But I actually don't think Gareth Bale played that poorly just like you said it wasn't great or anything to like write home about but uh I thought he was one of the brighter things on the field for us um but again he didn't get that many chances and the ball didn't come to him um but I I mean to my memory because it was three games ago he was putting in a a shift like a good amount of effort uh throughout and I, I think I remember when he came off like he was pretty winded like you know like all right thank you like, thank you for the 60 minutes. I'm good now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right about him getting back into the rhythm of this league. And we're playing in four different leagues. Most of his game time comes in Europa League or these other random games. So, yeah, it's 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 getting there. Uh, but I think, you know, if it was in or out, Gareth Bale, I would say in, keep him, sign him. If he's comfortable with it, if he's not making, like, a fuss in the locker room saying, like, I need – game time if he's down to bring his you know world-class knowledge of the game to a lot of our younger players and still get game time and and do things like the free kick kick he was taking and like you know do world-class things that he can still do I would say keep him um now I'm not the one with the pocketbook and I don't really care how much they pay but I I would keep him (laughs) um yeah any other let's see 
anyone else that's kind of on that chopping block? I mean, Vinicius, he's not signed yet, correct? Like we have the option at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Vinicius in and out, obviously I would go with a big in. Yeah. Based off what I said earlier, I think yeah. you can predict what I would. <laughs> yep. No, I fully agree. All right. Let me see what other notes I have. Cause I have a few other talking points. Um, do you have anything specific from these three games or like just about any of the games in general? Um, well, I mean, I, I'm just really hoping guess. that we could keep this momentum going uh, yep. into Everton and pass that into Man City. And then we can't forget that the next few games are vital. You know, we're playing in Europa after Man City. Mm-hmm. We're playing West Ham, who's basically been the best London team this season so far. God. Unfortunately. <laughs> and then we're playing Wolfsburg again in Europa, the second leg. Mm. And then we have, you know, two games in the Prem against people we've we've gotten used to, you know, Crystal Palace and Burnley. I mm. think those are two games we should really take. Uh, yeah. Two dubs, hopefully. Inshallah. Inshallah. <laughs> uh, um, no, you're exactly right. I definitely agree that, um, yeah, keep this momentum going, but it's not much of momentum. It's just a two, two, no win, but the main difference. So this is kind of like the main thing I wanted to discuss is like, what was the difference between those two games and then the West Brom game? And from what I saw, it wasn't just like Lucas and Lamella specifically, but it was the whole team doing what we, you know, have all been begging, but playing up, you know, like playing more aggressively in the face, getting to the ball first, and playing attack, not just attacking, because I feel like that's not the best way of saying saying it, because it's not just like attacking versus defending. It's it's more just like being first to the ball, um, you know, getting there and having the effort and the energy. And then, you know, through that, it's easy to play attacking because now your players have more space. You, you have the gap that you needed in the past, you know, to get it there. But if you wait and sit back, the gap closes, you know. But when you're when you step to the ball, you know, there's it's actually one of my big notes from the Brighton game, which is step, motherfucking step. You know, <laughs> I was wearing the step shirt and everything. I think at some point we're gonna have to have this uh, our original content. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, I think we're gonna have to have a giveaway for those shirts. Uh, just you know, like do something one of these days because um, it's a message that needs to get out that you know, Tottenham, you just need to step to the ball, and you see in the West Brom game when we step up. We are able to play more attacking. We're able to have more time on the ball. Um, and it works. Like we're not – because when you do that, you always have – you run the risk of getting caught out. The other team either breaking on you or, you know, you're, you're a player behind or something like that. Um, but when you do it as a team, even if you get caught out once or twice, that's fine because that's going to happen. But you actually – you know, you put the, the like, ball in your hand so you can you – can, uh, dictate the game. And so, um, yeah, I think that was one of the biggest differences that I saw. Um, and then also we talked about the different lineups. Um, but what, what do you think as far as like the winning ways that we want to keep going and, you know, the shitty ways that we were all, you know, ready to burn Jose at the stake for, um, (laughs) (laughs) well, I'll say this, uh, the difference between the, the West Brom game and the Brighton and Chelsea games uh, was Harry Kane. Uh, um, you took my next question, but great answer. 
<laughs> we missed Harry Kane the last two games before the West Brom game. Uh, with Harry Kane on the field, everything's different. Yeah. Uh, Heung-Min Sun explodes. Uh, the whole squad is rejuvenated. And with a few more additions soon, like when Regalon's back and hopefully with a new center back down the line and maybe Oliver Skip returning to really bolster our midfield options, um, we'll be going hard, you know, and uh, I'm not worried about the future. I just really hope we... So, so other, other than his goals and his mm-hmm. goals for him, what do you think, like, what does Harry Kane bring to the field that changed? Because... In the Brighton game and Chelsea game, Sun is on the field and Sun is invisible. That's just one example, but I agree. Uh, I, I think I mentioned this to you before, but my brother, who's a Man U fan, texted me uh, maybe during the Chelsea game. It was just like, you guys are shit without Harry Kane. And when you look at the names on the field, there's no reason for it, you know? So what does what all does Harry Kane really bring, you know, other than again, just his goals? Like what, what do you think Harry Kane adds to the, that really like was missing? I don't know. I mean, let's, let's look at this in terms of uh, the Lord of the Rings. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Harry Kane is Frodo. Frodo. Frodo! Is the, uh, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> Frodo's the only hope. He's the, he's the uh, only hope. He's the, keeps everyone's going you know yeah the only reason why some people have even stuck with this whole project is because of that of that hope he's the only person who's keeping people going you know what i mean we're gonna have to have a poll online to see who harry kane is from lord of the rings because i'm going with it's definitely aragon uh he yeah, breaks the heart. I mean, he is the only hope. You're exactly right. I'm not trying to compare the characters literally. I'm just saying, like, metaphorically what they meant to the whole group. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I definitely think it's Aragon. <laughs> I mean... Sorry, we're going to fight over this. Uh, like, right, but if Harry Kane's off the field, right? Harry Kane's off the field, we're shit, right? If Frodo isn't doing shit with the ring, then Aragon's efforts are nothing. They're <laughs> null and void. So I beat you in that argument. <laughs> All right, we're going to end this now because we obviously see how serious this is going to get. Um, <laughs> back to my notes so I can think of something better. Uh, but you did take my next question, which was like, what's the difference and how necessary is Harry Kane? I think you're exactly right that, I mean, there was an obvious huge difference shown um you know when he came on and I, to me i think it's like the passion that he brings and it, it's weird to say that you would think other players don't have this but the passion that he brings for tottenham and like for winning and there are some games that we, we've seen many times where harry kane's kind of invisible you can tell he's either tired or hurt a little bit and we usually lose those games but lots of times when we win it's like on the back of harry kane whether he scored or not um, so, yeah, I think, like, his passion and just, like, that, I don't know, leadership. I don't know what he does on the field, but but it's definitely apparent from from our angle that there's a difference, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think that's most of what I want to talk about. I have one, like, one more thing about the gameplay or just about – so, last time we talked was uh, after the Liverpool game and, you know, Serge Aurier stormed out or we still don't know – really what happened with that but uh what's your thoughts on Ori being back in the lineup are you excited about that and do you think he played well well he's our best option yeah i definitely agree yep 
he did play well. He always plays well. Well, he does play well, but he's, he's correcting a lot of those mistakes. But I do agree that, yeah, he him very much so like Harry Kane. I think I don't think many people would, would say that, but very much like Harry Kane. I mean, when he gets the ball, he's always trying to go forward. Like he's all he, he you can tell like that he's passionate about winning also. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of times the games that recently, even when he's been playing, we haven't been getting him down the line very much he hasn't been getting that many crosses um and that's like slowed our attacking play because it used to be like that was our only attacking play i mean for like half a season the only attacking play we had was give the ball to aurier and he'll cross it in even if his crosses aren't that good it just shows how non-creative we were but now it's like you know when we were playing bad we didn't even have that going for us um and it was even less creative um other than when, you know, in dumb baller touches the ball, you know, he's just on a whole other planet at all times. It's just if other people can catch up. Um, but, yeah, so Aurier being back in the lineup definitely is helpful. <laughs> I think that's I, an I easy agree. one. I agree yeah. completely. Um, all right, so I got one more question for you, but what, you got anything else on, on these games or the games coming up? I, I think you kind of went over that, but you got anything else you want to say? Um, no, I just think we should keep up the keep the momentum going, outscore the opponent. Uh, Carlos Vinicius's miss against Chelsea wouldn't have mattered as much if we already scored two goals or three goals against them. So <laughs> yes. you have, I mean, just outscore your opponent and don't let them score as much. It doesn't get any simple. simple. That. It's very simple. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and don't you know try and swipe at the ball when you're on the ground in the box. Um, Eric Dyer. And that's what we learned from these games. Um, all right, so I got one more question for you. Kind of like unpopular opinion time. Um, they released since we've had the, our last show, and they've got a horrible rap online, at least from what I've seen uh, most people saying. But what are your thoughts about the Air Max uh, Tottenham fourth jerseys, the gray joints? Hmm. Um, I don't really focus at all on like new kits and like. Oh, uh, have you not even seen them? No, I have. I have. Okay, I okay. have seen them. Like, I just don't. I, I don't really like follow the hype at all. I just yeah. see them. If I like them, I like them, and I just move on from them forever. You know. Okay, what's <laughs> like, the question? Do you like them or? I mean, see, they're they're supposed to be like unique, right? Yeah, um, I like them to be honest. Yeah. I, I yeah. have no problem with them, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say I love them, but yeah, they're pretty cool, especially when you see them on on beautiful Spurs models, you know. Yeah, I actually think so. They got a horrible rap right away, and I think half of that is because of the picture with Eric Dyer. Like whatever picture they posted, Eric Dyer just looked so goofy. <laughs> just like, oh, this is not how you do it. These are fresh ass jerseys. Uh, yeah, no, nah, I love them. I think a lot of people online don't like them. Um, but the thing that we have to understand as Tottenham is that we're sponsored by Nike. And uh, like, this is not just like Tottenham's fourth kit. This is like, just like a, uh, a campaign that Nike's doing. Mm-hmm. And Tottenham are, I'm just saying, lucky to be a part of the campaign. Not just because we're sponsored by them, but because we're at the level that we get like the dope shit when they just come out with their like unique ass shit. Like 
who knows if we'll ever even wear these kits. Um, but I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'm not pretty sure, but that's, that's what it is. You know, we're at the, the echelon where, you know, we got them, Chelsea got them, Liverpool got them. Like, and no offense. I think the Liverpool and Chelsea ones are pretty like our way whacker. Um, yeah, <laughs> sorry. The, the fashion talks definitely get, <laughs> take some time, but yeah, nah, I, I like them. Yeah. I think we're, we're alone in that court. But um, all right, with all that being said, um, we got Everton on Wednesday, FA Cup, must win. That's going to be a tough one. Um, what are your thoughts for Everton? Um, they, you know, they've strengthened their squad mm-hmm. the last year, and it's, it's taken a toll on our uh, performances against them. And uh, I don't know. I feel like whenever we have Harry Kane in the field, he's like the spearhead, you know. He literally just spearheads everything, and he's involved in everything. So I think with his leadership on the field and hopefully Hoybeer's appearance, I think we could really get past Everton. Um, It won't be comfortable because they have a bunch of really good players. You know, they've really strengthened their squad. And their coach isn't a joke. You know, Ancelotti is actually pretty experienced. And, uh, you know, he has firepower, too. And Calvert-Lewin's on fire. Rodriguez is a really, really good supplier of the ball. And so we'll see where this goes. I I, I don't want to make any predictions, like score predictions, but I really think we'll do solid. Yeah, I think uh, this is one of those matches that just, like, team for team, I think we are very well matched up. I think we're a better team, but they beat us early in the season, which, you know, was – shit you know last minute goal type stuff um but i think you're right i think they're a good team i think they're getting better um and i think what might have what what yeah i don't like to say it but if we play the slow boring game on no midfield game that we played against brighton and chelsea everton will beat us like that's for sure um i think if we play good and they play good it's gonna be it's gonna be a competition and whoever wins it'll be tough like i think it will be pretty evenly matched um but yeah if we play bad i think they'll they'll scalp us um hopefully that's not the case um yeah so with all that being said last but not least come on you spurs etid tip top tottenham hotspurs the greatest team of the year Tottenham Hotspur, raise your glasses and give them a cheer. 